Hello, and welcome to the Count Thread Podcast. My name is Lou, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm very excited to welcome you to this week's episode. Today's segments will be whips, FOs, brainstorming, and something extra. Okay, let's get started with whips. And let me tell you, the past couple weeks I have been in the trenches with these whips. So first, we'll start with my sweater that I'm making for my mom, and I realized that I never actually put a picture of the sweater that I'm duping anywhere, so that'll be in the show notes this week. I'm not going to link to Shein because um, I think that it is one of the roots of all evil, Um, but I'll put the picture so that you know what I'm aiming for. So once again, I'm using the Maydrop tee as the basis for the body of the sweater. And I, first of all, everything I'm about to say, nothing to do with the pattern. It's a lovely pattern. It's well-written. These were just circumstances. (laughs) So as I mentioned several episodes ago, I, I did a nice big swatch for this, solid four inches across, like with extra on each side, you know, like the type of swatch you are supposed to do. Um, I washed it, let it dry, all of every, everything you're supposed to do. And based on my gauge, which was really close to the pattern's gauge, like half a stitch off maybe, I picked my size and I cast on my 320 stitches. And I started, I went to town on it. Um, I think last time we spoke, I was not very far into the ribbing, but I cranked through the ribbing and then really, yeah, I just, I went to town on this project because I really wanted to get it to a good place because my deadline for it is a month from now, basically. And I knit up my entire first skein of yarn. I have three skeins for this project, which I am not certain is going to be enough. I may end up having to get another skein to do the sleeves, but I'll cross that bridge when I get there. So I have three skeins. I finished the entire first skein, a whole skein of fingering weight yarn. And I was looking at what I had and I said, you know, this isn't very long for having used a third of my yarn. And... I was looking at it, it was about nine inches total on the needle. And I was looking at it and I was like, how could this have happened? Like I have the right amount of yarn according to the pattern. I'm making it a bit longer than the pattern calls for it, but like it should not have been that much of a difference. So I was like, well, let me take it off the needle and take a take a better look at it. And I'm knitting it on a either like 24 or 29 inch circular so it's quite scrunched up and when I took it off I laid it out and measured it um the I am aiming for 53 inches around and it was 70 inches around oh I was oh I was so frustrated (laughs) and so I was like well I did wash and block my swatch so 
I should wash and block this before I freak out. Which is true in general, um, but almost 20 extra inches was never going to actually just block out. So I don't know. <laughs> I was really having um, a, mo a moment of optimism, I guess. So I did that. I washed it and I blocked it. And I was like, maybe if I just stretch it a little. <laughs> this was an entire skein of yarn knit up already. I didn't want to have to pull it out. And I really, I, I did my best. I kind of zhuzhed it and stretched it and arranged it. And I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. I can get it to about 12 inches and it's still like 58 inches around, but that's kind of close. And then I looked at it some more. And then the next day, once it was completely dry, I kind of picked it up and it all, I mean, it almost immediately went back to being so big around and much shorter. Said a few choice words to it. And then I frogged it. I frogged it straight onto my Swift, which worked really well. I was impressed. I guess that's a silver lining of this is that at least the frogging went pretty smoothly. Um, and then I, you know, I added some ties. And because I had washed and, you know, blocked it already, the yarn was very ramen noodly. And I didn't want to knit it back up that way. So I washed I like, you know, soaked it and let it dry with a little bit of weight hanging on it. And then when I put it back on my Swift to rewind into a cake, um, I just could not find the end. Like no matter what I, I was poking around, I was you know, like trying to be gentle because I didn't want the whole thing to collapse, right? And I'm so I'm like poking around trying to find the end and I just was not finding it. And so I was like, okay, let me take a strand that feels like it's really on the outside and just kind of delicately pull it off and see if I can find the end. This was a horrible idea. Please learn from my mistakes. Don't do that. <laughs> it wasn't worth it because then I, it, it was nowhere near the end of the skein. It was like awkwardly in the middle of the skein. And as, as, so I eventually took the inside end, which is not ideal, but it was an end. Um, and so as I was winding, I had this like clump of yarn that I had pulled off of the Swift that was spinning around the Swift and like getting caught or, you know, I tried to kind of make it more secure and then it would get tangled with the yarn that was coming off to, oh, it was, it was such a mess. And I ended up with several chunks of yarn that ended up like so tangled that I like could not do anything to them. And so I have some cuts and... I, it was so frustrating. Um, I was doing this after work, and my, when my brother got home, he was he looked at me and probably could see on my face how I was feeling. And he was like, so how's it going with the yarn? And so I kind of gave him the short version of what happened. And he was like, I feel like every time you talk to me about your hobbies it sounds like the most stressful thing that you could be doing like it doesn't seem like it's fun and I was like no 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 no, no don't worry it's fine <laughs> you you have happened to come across me on a couple of occasions recently where I've had a big big mess to untangle but usually it's fine 
Um, and I showed him pictures of my kismet. It was like, look, sometimes it turns out okay. Um, but in any case, it was a huge mess and it was super, super frustrating. While, while, the, while the yarn was drying, I just got the second skein and cast on with that because I didn't want to wait. You know, I was like, oh, now I've lost some time. I need to get back on it. So I had started that and I was going around and I finished the ribbing and I... Oh, so, so I cast on a, the, the next size down. While I had the piece before I frogged it, I measured the gauge on the bigger piece and hopefully that will be more accurate. And so I cast on the next size down. So it's only 288 stitches now, which is still so many for what happened next, which was I finished my, you know, inch or like a heavy inch of two by two rib and did a couple rounds of stockinette. And then I was looking at it and I was like, hmm, this doesn't, this doesn't look quite right to me. Um, so I had twisted it when I joined in the round. I I genuinely cannot remember the last time that I did that. Like it just it's a very, you know, it's a very easy mistake to make. It's very comp, but like I just it just doesn't happen. Like I'm so careful when I but maybe because I was frustrated, maybe because it was 288 stitches crammed onto a 24-inch needle. The yarn is black. I mean, there's like all of these factors and I'm like, yeah, I see how this happened, but I'm also furious that it happened. Um, so I had to frog that and I ended up with a little rat's nest again. So I lost another clump of yarn and I didn't, I mean, I didn't throw them out or anything. I have them, I, I set them aside so that if I get towards the end and I need just a bit more yarn, I can put the time in to untangle it and get those chunks back. But for the time being, I was so frustrated with them that I just, um, put them in a corner. So... I am now on attempt three at this project. I have never checked that I had joined properly so many times. I mean, like seven or eight times during the first round. After I knit a couple rounds, I checked again, just, you know, now that I had a little bit more length. And so it's fine. <laughs> I'm done with the ribbing. I am, I've got maybe three quarters of an inch of stockinette. So, I mean, it'll go faster now that it's stockinette again and I can just crank it out. But, oh, this, yeah, this one has been uh, a real pain recently. So hopefully things will go more smoothly. And next time we chat, I would, I mean, I would love to. I'm, I feel like I should undershoot now. I was going to say I would love to have the body done, but I'm going to say I would love to be up to the armholes. <laughs> like, I feel like I have to couch it a little bit. But in any case, my other project that I've been working on, well, so I have my head sock, which I picked up for a little bit while the first attempt at the sweater was drying, um, but really no significant progress. Um, it's two by two rib forever. And I had, you know, half an inch and now I have about an inch. Um, so nothing exciting there. And I was feeling a little bit of the drag of a lot of very repetitive knitting. And I was like, why don't I just start my terrazzo afghan? I talked about it in the last episode that I was kind of getting an itch 
for some crochet and I was like let's just let's just go for it um, and again I think the pattern is pretty well written I mean there's a lot of projects you know people have had success with the pattern but this is my first time doing overlay mosaic crochet so I was very much using this pattern to learn how to do this new technique and it's not it's not like it's that hard but it's a little different and also <laughs> the most frustrating thing about this pattern was is the first round of each square and she wants you to do 16 half double crochet into a magic loop and then pull it tight and that's your first round I don't I tried several different hook sizes I tried well I, I mean I just tried the one yarn because it's the yarn I'm using for this project but I tried different hook sizes and different you know how I was holding it you know more tightly or more could not get this to get anywhere close to shut because it's just too many stitches I don't I don't understand I was like looking at the pattern pictures and her holes you know at the center of the magic loop look pretty tight I don't know how she did it I mean I've done a lot of projects that start with you know some number of double crochets into a magic loop to start a square but I think the fact that they were double crochets and not half double crochets helped first of all because they're longer and they like it gives them more more room to you know end up flat and come tight at the center and I also 16 is a lot for at least you know at least for this kind of worsted or Aran weight yarn 16 is a lot so it took me several false starts to get a square going I ended up doing eight half double crochets into my magic loop and then doing another round where I increased into every stitch to get up to 16 and then I proceeded to round two but I don't love the way that it looks like I think it would look nicer if it was just one round like it would match the rest of the square better um, so I haven't done another square yet because I've been so caught up dealing with my sweater but when I do I'm gonna see how it looks if I do 16 double crochet into the magic loop and see if the size because I think probably the size will work out okay and like match my or my first square reasonably well and hopefully that will help it lay flat and just like look a little more cohesive with the rest of the square so that was a little bit frustrating to have like such a hard time getting started so I was, ha I was having some doubts about this so I think probably in the first episode when I was talking about my plans for this project I said something about you know the yarns aren't super high contrast but I think it'll look okay like I think it'll look nice anyway and there are a couple projects on Ravelry of folks who did use low contrast there's one that's like a white and a light pink in particular that I was looking at and thinking that it looked nice um, but I was starting to have some doubts about like maybe using these two dark colors you know maroon and black that it wasn't going to have that same effect and then it wasn't it just wasn't gonna look good and I kept looking at my square and I was like oh I don't know I don't know I don't know I don't love it and I was like let's get through the whole square and then you can decide and I was also thinking that maybe I was gonna need to go up a hook size again you know after after all of my switching around trying to get the first round to work I was like oh, I don't know about the fabric and I just I was 
really not happy with it. And I was looking at it when once I finished, finally finished the first square. I was looking at it, I was like, um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. The crucial rule, you know, don't make any big decisions about your projects after 9 p.m. or whatever. Um, turned out to really hold true because as soon as I saw it in actual natural daylight, it's like, oh, it looks great. <laughs> like, like the kind of, you know, somewhat dim yellow overhead light in my office was really not doing it any favors. Um, but I actually really like how it looks. I think it's going to look really nice. And I did also uh, get it. Well, I didn't wash it, wash it. I got it wet and then I put it in the dryer for a few minutes so that it could kind of soften up a little bit. And I think the fabric is just fine. So I'm glad that I didn't get angry and frog it again. Um, but yeah, like I said, I have not started a second square for this yet because I've been uh, dealing with my sweater. But I am happy to have something that's, you know, different motions, that's crochet, and at least theoretically less frustrating than the sweater has been so far. So I'm glad to have it started, even if it's not going to get a ton of time put into it right now, because again, I've got a month left for that sweater. Alrighty, let's move into FOs. I don't actually have any, <laughs> um, so this will just be a quick segment. Um, I wanted to share, I finally took, you know, nicer finished object photos of my Kismet, which I'm so happy with, um, so that I could enter it into the Yarniacs Colors of Fall Knit Along, and I just think it's really cute, and I'm happy with how it fits, and I'm so pleased. So I We'll put those pictures in the show notes, and I also took an obligatory floats picture so you can see um, my beautiful inside. And I'm I'm very proud of how the inside looks. I I realized pretty pretty early on that I was not following the normal rules for catching floats. Like the normal guideline is the longest float you should have is five stitches, and Kismet is designed in a way that that's the longest that she ever asks for. So you sh actually shouldn't have to catch any floats on this sweater, but for some reason I started out doing it where on those five stitch stretches, I was catching it on the third stitch. So I actually never went any more than four stitches, which probably wasn't necessary, but I do think it makes a really pretty inside. So uh, that photo is there as well. And then I've also been doing just some kind of miscellaneous mending of some things. My jeans that I wear to work, I keep kind of busting through the knees, so I've been patching and trying to maintain those as best I can. Oh, I had a couple of pair of shorts that had really, really shallow pockets, so I put some extenders in those. Just kind of those little things that just make, make them more make things more pleasant. You know, I replaced a string in, in a pair of gym shorts. Just those little things that don't actually take that much time, but I had been putting off mostly out of laziness. So if, if you have a little mending pile going, here's your push to take a couple things out of it. It's worth it. For brainstorming this episode, I really just want to talk about a few sweaters that I have been swooning over. Uh, the first is the porcelain sweater by Lynette. This is designed around the kind of blue and white Delft porcelain, which is just so beautiful. And the sweater is 
the, the sample was knit in kind of a cream as the background and then that that perfect bright blue the color was done in a few bands on the body and on the sleeves and I just was so charmed by this pattern um, and I really liked that they used the cream for the background because I definitely would not wear a sweater that was that bright white or where so much of it was bright white so I found I really like the color choices and I'm definitely interested in making that pattern although probably not in the near future because I would need to buy some yarn for it and I'm trying to work out of my collection right now. The second is the Heirloom Quilt Cardigan by Katrin Seeberger, which is a very cool design that's made of, so it's made of a bunch of squares and I don't know the name of the quilt block, but it's one of those very classic, uh, a bunch of triangles, um, like a two color arrangement of triangles in kind of a star shape. And so you take a bunch of those squares for the back and the fronts of the cardigan and then seam them together and pick up to knit the sleeves and the hem and the button bands. And it's just so beautiful. Um, I really like the fall colors in the uh, sample on the pattern page, but looking at some of other people's projects, there are so many different palettes that people have used that are all so beautiful and very inspiring and definitely make me want to knit this project, which again, probably not in the near future. And then finally, I wanted to shout out another one of Rachel Ilsley's patterns, which is Earth Prelude. And this is knit side to side, unlike most of her patterns. And it has color work on the body going from, you know, going pretty much from the neck to the hem. I like the design of the color work and I think it would be a fun construction. I've never done a side to side sweater before and I had such a good experience knitting Kismet that I feel you know, very comfortable diving into another one of her patterns and, and I think this, and I think this would be a fun one to do. For something extra today, I wanted to, to do something a little silly. So I have put together a tier list of different types of knitting needles and crochet hooks. And I want to go through that with you and I'll, I'll put a link to the tier list in the show notes if you would like to make your own and tell me how wrong I am about all my opinions. <laughs> okay. So I have given my tiers, again, sort, sort of silly names. So for our top S tier, Solemn Trust, these are the tools that I use all the time and that I feel very loyal to, and I feel like they're loyal to me and they'll never steer me wrong. Next we have A Good Friend, not necessarily my go-to tool, but someone who I get along with quite well. Third, we have May B. Uh, some of these tools I have not actually used before. And so I'm gonna kinda go off of vibes. Do I think that it would be okay? Yeah, maybe. If I'm not quite as sure, they'll go on the next tier down. Could be okay. 
And for ones that I've used and don't like, or for ones that I'm just very suspicious of, they go in D tier for don't trust. All right, I have just 12 items here, so let's dive right in. Uh, let's do the crochet hooks first, because I just have a few of those. Uh, so first, I have my classic Tunisian hook. So, and one of those long strips of aluminum with the hook, you know, the hook on one end and some kind of stopper on the other. These are the hooks that I learned how to crochet on. My grandma taught me when I was pretty small, like five or six, she handed me two Tunisian crochet hooks and taught me how to chain. So I did not get past that for a really long time. There was a very long period where I would just chain forever um, and I didn't learn any other stitches for I think a few years after that. But these hold a very special place in my heart. I do not use them for regular crochet anymore because I mean, it, there's, a, there's a reason that there are different tools for the different techniques. And I don't actually know how to Tunisian crochet. I've never done it before. So I'm gonna put these in a good friend because I have fond memories of them, but I, since I haven't actually ever used them for their intended purpose, I don't know how it would go. So then a variation off that is the Tunisian hook with a cable. These I think are very cool. I like the versatility. I like that the actual metal hook part is so much smaller. I think, you know, in a way that would be more comfortable to hold, more like the length of, more like the length of a regular crochet hook. That appeals to me. But again, I've never actually used one of these and certainly not for actual Tunisian crochet. So I'm going to put these in maybe. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Next, we have wooden crochet hooks. These to me feel a little bougie. They feel fancy, which is not a, not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I've never encountered a wooden crochet hook personally. I'm curious about them, but I also really do love my aluminum hooks. So I'll put those in. Could be okay. I'd be willing to give them a fair shake. So yeah, let's let's put our aluminum hooks straight into solemn trust. These are my friends. They've been with me since the beginning. Well, the beginning right after the first two Tunisian crochet hooks that I used to learn. I love the boy brand ones where they're all different colors for the different sizes. I think that they're pretty. <laughs> I, I am not embarrassed. I'm very shallow about this. I like that they're pretty. I like that they're shiny. I like that they feel sturdy, but they aren't heavy. I think they're great. They're my good friends. And finally, for crochet hooks, I have ergonomic hooks, which I'm using as a little bit of a catch-all because they could be different materials, I guess, but the kind that have a some kind of rubber or otherwise, you know, kind of squishy, comfortable handle to use. I've never met one of these. I've seen them, I know people love them, but I've never met them, so I'll put them in maybe. It seems like a good idea, I've just never encountered it personally. Okay, let's get into knitting needles. I guess we'll follow a similar similar path here. So let's talk about straight needles. These are classics. I think that they 
they have a place in the toolkit, but I think that we have much better options. Unless, you know, unless you're doing like a lever knitting kind of situation, like, you know, like there are, there are certainly contexts where they are appropriate. They're not my preference. I don't like the way that they hold the weight and that they kind of flap around because I'm not a lever knitter. They're not my favorite. So I have, I have aluminum straights and wooden straights. So I'm going to put aluminum straights in don't trust and I'm going to put wooden straights in could be okay. I have a pair, I have a couple pairs of wooden straights that I don't mind. I never use them because I have better options or you know options that I prefer, but I don't want to put them in don't trust. That seems mean. Now let's do DPNs. I personally am DPNs all the way. I've tried to do magic loop a couple of times and I've struggled with I've struggled with keeping it neat and I always feel like when I kind of am shifting the cable around that I end up stretching out the stitches in a way that I don't love. Like it's kind of like laddering on a DPN but I feel like I have less control over it. So DPNs are my friends. But I'll be honest, I usually will, if I can, I'll go for a 9 inch circular. You know, for a sleeve, um, a 9 inch circular is really what I love. So I don't think that any of these are going to be S tier. Okay, I'm going to put, so I have two different ones that are labeled aluminum DPNs and the picture got cropped weirdly, but I'll verbally explain, <laughs> I'll verbally explain. So first I have aluminum DPNs and these are like my aluminum crochet hooks, the kind that come in different colors for the different sizes. And it's all the same reasons. I like how they look. I like that they're visually distinguishable. I just think they're neat. I have a solemn trust with them. And then there are aluminum DPNs that are gray or, you know, aluminum colored, whatever. And these, I mean, there's nothing wrong with them, really, but they're not colorful. So they're just a good friend. But when it comes to wooden DPNs, I'm thinking, I'm, th I'm going to say maybe. There are enough of them out there when I was, you know, looking for the pictures and stuff. There are a lot of wooden DPNs out there. And part of me feels like they there wouldn't be so many if they were awful. This is again a tool that I have not engaged with personally, but I think it would make me nervous, especially like sock sizes. I feel like having such a thin piece of wood would make me nervous about snapping it. So I'll put it in maybe because I have fears, but I would be willing to try. Okay, and let's do fixed circulars next. Fixed circulars in terms of storage, the worst. I hate them. However, like I just said, I do love a nine inch circular. So I'm gonna put these in a good friend, but I want I want you to know that the nine inch circulars are really dragging these out of could be okay. Yeah, they're I I in general prefer circular needles just for the balance of it, the feel of it. Even if I'm knitting flat, I will go back and forth on a fixed circular all day before I will pick up straights. But yeah, the storage is just so, it's such a pain. Um, and so finally, we have my true beloveds, interchangeable needles. These are expensive. 
but if you can make the investment I think it's just so worth it um, I really love my interchangeable needles I have I think they're Chowgu red or I don't that's probably not what it's actually called but they are Chowgu's and the cables are red <laughs> um, and I just yeah the, the flexibility the versatility the fact that they have that they came in a case and I don't have to deal with a whole bunch of springy cables trying to pop out of the pockets that I tried to put together myself I just I love them I trust them so solemnly and in fact I'll, I'll move them all the way to the top of S tier and then yeah so I'll have at the top I'll have interchangeable needles then aluminum hook then the colorful aluminum DPNs in a good friend I'll put yeah I'll put my fixed circular then Tunisian hook then aluminum DPNs that are not colorful for maybe I'll put the Tunisian hook with cable then ergonomic crochet hooks then wooden DPNs could be okay wooden hooks then wooden straight needles and lonely down here in don't trust are the aluminum straight needles so that is my tier list of different needles and crochet hooks yeah just a little something silly to wrap up for this episode so thank you very much for listening i hope you enjoyed and i look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks have a good one